Good morning, church. You're, oh, that's what it is. I was thinking it's too warm in here. You're too comfortable. That's the problem. Uh, you lost an hour. Okay, but you're here. You're here. There will be a whole crowd of people that as you exit today are walking in wondering what's just happened. Um, Amen. Father, we ask that you would stir our hearts today. God, that you would speak to us very clearly. Whatever it is that you want to say to us, God, every person in this room, we're walking through something corporately, collectively together, collectively experiencing trauma, yet individually processing it different and having our own issues to sort through and family matters to deal with and faith steps to take. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would take this message, this word, and you would divide it 150 different ways and let it speak so clearly and precisely to where we are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> well, what a crazy world we live in. Can I just start there? Is that all right? Can we just admit what a crazy world we live in? We have a, a pandemic that is apparently ending now um, and potentially a world war that's starting. Uh, no, no big deal. We're going from cloth masks to gas masks. Uh, that's exciting. Um, birth pains are increasing. Would you agree? Birth pains are increasing in frequency and in strength. Uh, don't be surprised, hear me, hear your pastor this morning, don't be surprised if something happens in the coming days or weeks uh, that would tempt you to walk in fear, a new cycle of fear, a, a new cycle of uncertainty, um, or, or to partner with outrage. I just want to encourage all of us to stay focused in the coming days and uh, know where our hope lies. Our hope does not lie in anything that's happening externally. Can I get a good amen from the warm people today? Um, you know, in, in the way the world is, um, we've created a lot of that, but then there are things that we've not created, like natural disasters, that's on the rise. Right? I don't know if, you, if you're keeping track of the earthquakes and the volcanoes and the tornadoes and the the snow storms, I mean, everything naturally is on the rise. Um, people have shorter fuses than ever before, right? Um, let's see, what else? The markets are volatile. Some, some actually say that a crash is coming. Um, based on this introduction, I probably should be preaching on peace <laughs> today. Uh, because just reading that intro has caused me some anxiety. But uh, aren't you glad that even, even when everything that can be shaken is shaken, God does not lose his balance. He's not fallen off of the throne. There is nothing that happens that catches him by surprise. He doesn't look down at planet Earth and say, Putin, Putin, Putin. Now I must go to plan B. Do you know what I mean? He has no rival. The world is headed full steam down the tracks of prophetic fulfillment 
And thankfully, a God who saw into the future gave us knowledge about what is coming so that you and I don't have to be caught off guard by the things that we see happening. Now, listen, I'm not one typically to give you financial advice. Um, And I don't want to be an alarmist. But the title of my sermon today is Prepare Now to Urgent Investments. Okay, I don't want to scare you. But the title of my sermon is Prepare Now to Urgent Investments. I need every single one of you, listen to me. I need every single one of you to walk outside of these doors today. And when the sermon is done, I need you to make these two investments. And I don't care if you have to go in debt to make these investments. In fact, if you're not in debt from these investments, you're not investing enough. Okay? Let me start out by telling you what these two investments are that you need to invest in. uh, And it's the only point that I have today. And that is today, invest immediately in love and light before it's too late. Today, invest immediately in love and light before it's too late. Now, after you write that in, the love and the light, I know it sounds like, oh, this is a real cliche sermon, but I'm going to unpack it for you. I'm not just giving you some ethereal, fuzzy, mystical love and light of the world. Okay, we're going to talk about what that means But after you write love and light, I want you to circle all the words in that sentence that have to do with timing. Timing. Because I didn't write a superfluous sentence for no reason. All right? I didn't write a a sentence that has too many words to communicate the meaning for no reason. I want you to circle today. Everybody say today. I need you to circle immediately before it's too late. Because we need some urgency in this place. As believers, as followers in Jesus, we need some urgency today, immediately, before it's too late. We need to invest in love and light. We look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in our text, Romans 13. And we're going to read that together, verses 8 through 14. It says, let no debt remain outstanding. That's sound financial advice. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt. Some of you just thought you were debt free, right? There is a continuing debt that you will have as long as you're alive, as long as your heart is beating, as long as your lungs are filling with air, filling with air you will have a continual debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. I think that's ironic that our text today is understanding the present time since it is daylight savings time and we, half of us, don't know what the present time is. Um, maybe, maybe your Apple phone does, but your microwave doesn't yet. Um, and so this morning you're like, which one is true? Which one is true? 
Uh, but understanding the present time, the hour has already come. It's already here. It's already passed. It's not coming. It's already come to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. In this block of text, it talks about the two things that I'm asking us to invest in, love and light. And it's even referencing the end of days as uh, the end of this age is coming to a close. Uh, these are the two things that you and I must continually pursue. We must lean into. It is love and it is light. Now, I want to start back with verse 8. Uh, if you read that with me, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The debt that you have to love other people, I love the fact that uh, Carrie said this in her statement today about Ukraine and Russia and the believers. You know, we often push the least of these. Uh, as, as a believer, we need to help the least of these. And we think that that means the homeless. We think that means the hungry. That's actually not what the scripture is saying at all. The least of these is referring to brothers and sisters in the Lord who are sacrificing to spread the gospel. That means we need to be investing in missions. We need to be sending money to support people who are laying down their life for the gospel. They are the least of these. Not that you don't love the homeless, not that you don't feed the hungry. Are you with me? But we talk a lot about understanding what the Bible really means. And so what it really means when it talks about the least of these has nothing to do, nothing to do with the homeless and, and that, though we do that as a church. That's a priority of ours as a church. Um, but our first debt is to love other believers. Did you know that? It's like, you know, you have two kids and they're fighting nonstop and you just want to yell at them and say, just get along, you know, stop. And actually, I just, you know, just looking at you two siblings right here, I just want to say Jasmine and Michael are brother and sister. Will you just stand up and wave? These, Yeah. Look, what you're, what you're witnessing is that little hug is not abnormal for them. They love each other. They get along. I, there was a video I saw of them just... You may be seated now. Thank you. Thank you. This is my sermon. And that, no. But I, I watched them, and they actually interacted a lot like Mike and Michaela did. We, we prayed when we had two kids initially before the five. Lord, just let them love each other. Just let them be close. That was our heart's prayer. Uh, so I see a lot of Mike and Michaela and, and your two kids. And, you know, that's, that's what normal sibling relationships should look like. We, we look at it, and we think, wow, that's really abnormal. But it shouldn't be abnormal. That is what it should look like. That's what we should be believing for. We should be uh, pushing for in our homes for our 
for our kids to love one another, to protect one another, to not go outside and make, I, I t I've told Jordan and Tristan, I've had this. This isn't in my notes. Is it all right if I just give you a little bit? This is just, Tristan's like, it depends, dad. What are you going to say? <laughs> you know, I tell my boys, when you're outside of this home, the world is out to destroy you. The world is set up to tear you down. Like any, any flower that's rising above the field, it's to be chopped off and equal with everyone else. The world wants to pull you down. So don't be one of those people that pull your brother down too. You know, don't, if somebody's making fun of your sibling, don't jump on board and start laughing and thinking it's funny. Be a support to your sibling because at the end of the day, this is who you've got. You know, we come home, this is a safe place. I, I expect my kids, all five of my kids, to love one another and treat each other equally, or if not better, than their friends outside of the home. Right? Our friends should not get the best of us, and our family get the leftovers. And, and here, Scripture is telling us, our first debt is to love those in the house of the Lord. I'll prove that to you. John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We use that verse to think, oh, be kind to everyone. Open doors for everyone that's going into the mall. Do you know what I mean? Like, share your Chick-fil-A waffle fries. Like, just love everyone. But this specifically is saying, if you love the other disciples, then people will know that you're a disciple. Your first debt is to love others in the family of God. And I know some people be really trying you. I know. So, some people are just, you know, you're like, I love them, but I don't like them. I know, I know. But, you know, the goal is to have the heart of Jesus for every person that is in the family of God. Not the heart of Trey, not the heart of Carrie, not your own perspective of how people act or what they do or the choices that they make. Are you with me? Some people say, I love God, but I just don't like the church. I don't even know how to reconcile that. That's like someone coming up to me and saying, hey, Trey, I think you're pretty cool, but your wife, your bride, I don't think I would respond very well. Brian, if you came up to me and said, Pastor, I've been here for several weeks now. Love your church. Love you. But your wife is, woo. <laughs> he likes her too. That's, Brian, you, didn't, you weren't obligated to say that, but thank you. But you know, people do that about the church. They go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I love you, but your bride can't stand her. And Jesus is like, but I laid down my life for her. I gave my life for her. How do you love me but not her? Because she looks like me and I look like her. We are, we are one. We have to fulfill the debt. We have a debt to love the church, the global church and the local church. And I know there's this movement to separate this term church well, you are the church. It's not a building. 
You are the church. I'm, when I just stay at home and I don't attend a, a church service, I'm still the church. Technically, yes, you are. But unfortunately, you're just not loving the body like you're required to do. You can't love the family of God from your couch. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Favor ain't fair. It's not fair. And when you have the opportunity to bless the world, you need to make sure that your family of God is blessed first, and then you bless the world. It's a debt. It's a debt that we have. We also have a debt to unbelievers, though. Don't worry. I'm not suggesting that we don't love unbelievers. Of course we do. Matthew 544 says, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This is our debt to love. To love. I'm not talking about warm fuzzies. I'm not talking about you have a, a, a fond perception of someone. I'm saying to love. To love means to lay down your life for them. To love means you show up at the table and you eat dinner with the family when the family's eating so you can interact and you set your phones to the side and you don't get distracted in isolation. Now, this is metaphoric. Do you know what I mean? We don't get so distracted in our own lives, our own issues. The only thing we want to look at, we're here as a family because I'm indebted to love you, Joy. And you are required to love me. It's true. This is our debt. I don't know if you've ever borrowed money from a person rather than an institution, like a bank, but it's different. It's different. I, I have a loan from Wells Fargo from my house. It's not paid off yet. It will be, you know. In this lifetime, I owe more than I would like to owe, uh, but I, I do pay extra on it every month. So I'm being a good steward with what I have. But you know, I don't, I don't avoid Wells Fargo on my drive home. There's one right here on the corner and I drive that way every time to go home. But because I owe Wells Fargo, I don't hide my eyes and hope Wells Fargo doesn't see me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I've borrowed money from an institution. But if I borrow money from a person, I've borrowed money from my dad before. My dad is so gracious. If you, if you guys need a loan, <laughs> go to your own dad, not to mine, because <laughs> I might need one from him. No, I'm just kidding. My dad is in the room. He's, he's super gracious, and he's, he's loaned me money a couple times, I think, and I've always, Dad, I've always paid it back, yeah? Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> I've, I've, I've paid it back. But you know, every time I see my dad, when I, in, in moments where I've borrowed money from a person, every time I see that person, I don't avoid them, but inside I think, I still owe you. Like, you know, we could be having Christmas dinner, celebrating the kids, and in the back of my mind, I still owe my dad $223, whatever, you know, 
whatever it was in that time. The Apostle Paul is saying that's how we should feel when we pass a human. We owe them a debt of love. Man, I owe, I owe Frank. I owe Frankie. I owe him love. Every time I see Frankie in the hall, that should be my reaction. I should be reminded that the debt is not settled. I hope this is making love a little more personal for you. Because it's just beyond, love isn't about just being friendly and nice and being a butterfly through the halls. Hey, love you. Yeah, hey, love you. That's, no, it's, man, wow. Kendall, I owe her love. And I'm a man of my word, and I am obligated to continue on that debt until it's paid in full. Which, by the way, it will never be paid in full until you die or I die. Paul says it's that kind of feeling that you should get. I'll just say, you know, I am, it's kind of easy. I, like, I just used two people, Kendall and Frankie, and I know these people, and I, I actually really love them. It's a little bit harder when you're out about town and that person cuts you off. You know what I mean? Or you're at Academy and you're wanting to get a new workout shirt, and there's some guy there standing right at the shirt you want, and you've been standing wanting to get that shirt and he keeps there's only one that's your size and you're waiting for him to move and he keeps touching that shirt and you're holding your breath because it's a good deal and that's the shirt that you want you walk away and you pace and you wonder where's your wife she needs to talk you off a ledge you come back and he's still there there's only six shirts on the rack can't you move along I don't know his name, but I know it's harder to love someone like that. Because it's easy for us to create a Wells Fargo out of a beating heart. But we are called, you are called, I am called to love every person. We don't get a pass. Oh, that person did something wrong to you. You don't actually have to love them. That's not the gospel. That's not kingdom living. I'm obligated to love anyone, regardless of the color of skin that they wear, the language that they speak, the ethnic group from which they derive, the country from which they are, or the military with which they are currently positioned in. I must love them all. All. A third or fourth century church father once asked the question in a legalistic dispute in the church, people were asking the question of what what can a Christian do and what can a Christian not do? What should a Christian do? What should a Christian not do? And this church father said, love Christ and then do as you please. Love Christ and then do as you please. Now, 
The do as you please, if that sounds exciting to you, it's because you don't understand what love Christ truly means. Paul says it is the love of Christ that constrains us. When we really understand what it means to love God, then we can do whatever we want to do. Whatever you want to do. Because when you love him, your desires change. And if your desires aren't changing, you need to back up to the love quotient. Paul says that one who loves does not commit adultery. Do you remember in our text it said, love fulfills the law. It doesn't mean that there is no law. It means it fulfills it. It satisfies it. When you love your spouse, you're not going to commit adultery on your spouse. Love makes no need for the law because love wouldn't go there anyway. The law said don't commit adultery, but the one who loves automatically will not commit adultery. The, the law says do not murder, but the one who loves automatically won't murder. The law says don't covet, but the one who loves automatically won't covet. When two persons allow their physical passions to sweep across them and get out of control, it is not because they love each other too much. It is because they love each other too little. In real love, there is respect and there is restraint. How then do you become a lover? How do you love other people? How do you who owe a debt of love to others, how do we walk in love? My encouragement to you is don't wait for the feelings to percolate up. Don't wait until you feel like loving that person. Carrie and I learned a long time ago in our marriage that the moments where we don't feel like having conversation is where we probably need conversation the most. The moments where we don't feel like holding hands, we probably need to hold hands most. And we went through counseling. I often reference uh, this season of our marriage, and it was pretty rough. Um, pretty sure 99% my fault. Uh, now that I'm older and mature, I can see, I can see clearly now. Um, but you know, one thing that, and, and we had massive communication issues, and we had to spend time meeting each other's needs. Her love language was physical touch. Uh, mine wasn't. Mine was acts of service. I knew you loved me if the laundry was put away when I got home. Yeah, I know. Don't get jealous, ladies. Um, Carrie knew I loved her if I just would sit down with her next to her, breathe the same oxygen she's breathing, hold her hands, play with her hair. And to me, that just was like, Ugh. At the time, I, re I really like that now. But at the time, it was not that good. But I learned that if I held her hand, no matter if I felt it or not, that over time the feelings started to come. Many of us are led by our feelings way too much. 
you have given your feelings too much power. Feelings, feelings are a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. But I know those kids drive you nuts. I know. Those kids just, you, you, you feel like you're not a good mom. You feel like you're not a good dad. You feel like you can't give them what they need. They're just wearing you out, but you keep showing up anyway. You keep feeding them anyway. You keep giving them little slobbery kisses anyway. Because as we go through the motion, some people say, I don't want to be fake. It's not fake. It's faith. This is what our life is built on, doing the stuff we don't want to do because we know it's the right thing to do for us and for the people that we love. And we do it anyway, whether we feel it or not. We keep showing up to dinner. We keep showing up and doing the things that we have to do. We keep providing the love that our kids need, the interactions that our kids need. We keep doing those things, whether we feel it or not, because someday our feelings get in alignment with what our faith has already declared. Love. So invest in love. You know, one of, one of the features of this technological society that we live in is that we are all slaves of time. And the, this morning was proven. We are a slave to time. I know you did not want to wake up with an hour less of sleep. We are a slave of time. We've got our Apple watches or our non-Apple watches, it's seriously overrated. If you don't have one, don't worry about it. Um, we've got our, our cell phones. We've got our clocks in the living room, our clocks in the kitchen. We, we've got, even on our phones, screen time because we are obsessed with time. You know, in our text today, it said we need to understand the time. I'm trying to find page two. Yeah, I want to read that. Again, verse 12, verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. Understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. In our current climate, I often look around And in humility, I ask myself a question. And I wonder, who's actually awake? Who actually sees what's going on in our world? For what it is. Not for what we're told it is. For what it is. Who, who, actually, who actually in the room or watching online understands that the biggest war we've got going on on planet Earth is a spiritual war? I know we're talking about Russia and Ukraine and NATO, World War III, all, all of that. But the, the biggest war going on is a spiritual war. And I'm wondering if you can see it. We have to understand the present time. The present time. It is time for you and I not just to walk in love, but now to walk in light. Walk in light. It's more than a cliche. We as Christians owe our society more than obedience to the law. 
We, we owe to society this ability to be set apart for the kingdom, to know whose we are, for our identity, our identity to be solid, to follow the ways of the Lord, to let our testimony go before us so that others can know the goodness of God. As the world gets darker and darker, you and I have to be committed to walking in the light. I know holy living isn't really a popular subject in the church. I I think holiness is, when you understand what holiness is, it's one of the most beautiful topics of the Bible. Unfortunately, because of the freedom of holiness, we have entire denominations set up on a false holiness. And then we've got other Christians like you and I who then tuck away the word holy because we don't really understand it. We just think that's not us. We don't want that. We want to walk in this freedom and this liberty over here. Um, But holiness, maybe holy is a trigger word for you. So maybe you could just say instead, consistently healthy and focused on the mission set apart for the kingdom. That's what holy is. Consistently healthy and focused on the mission set apart for the kingdom. We owe examples of healthy, wholesome living of people that are set apart, devoted, and focused on the mission. We owe that to the world. The world is crying out right now, asking what's going on. They don't know what the future holds. They don't know what to make of all of the chaos. We owe it to the world to be a people of love and of light. Paul says, Let us behave decently. Some versions say, let us conduct ourselves becomingly. The literal phrase means, let us walk dressed as though we were in the daytime. That's When I say walk in the light, what I'm telling you is, walk like you're walking in the daytime. Now, if you play that out a little bit in the context of your relationships and your interactions and your business dealings, It has some very real and weighty ramifications for us, applications for us. Walk as if you're walking in the daylight. The last two years, we've been a bit conditioned to work in our jammies. We roll out of bed, we get on the screen. As long as we're dressed from here on up, it's all good. I know some of y'all have been in Zoom meetings and you've forgotten you stood up and you showed them everything. Right. We have been conditioned to work remotely, so many of us get to work in our slippers with our hair not made, or you know, if you wear makeup and no makeup. It's just a very we we've meshed the night and the day together quite a bit. I wonder if that's not happened in the spirit. If we aren't spiritually walking around as if it's still night walking around in our spiritual jammies when God has called us to put on our armor because the hour has already come. Understanding the time, I'm going to give you four points to understand the time and I'm just going to fly through them. I'm done with my sermon and I want to be able to pray for you at the end. 
But understanding the present time, Paul says, number one, we got to wake up. Wake up. Verse 11 of our text says, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. You know, sleep is a condition of being fully alive, but not fully aware. You ever think about that? When you're sleeping, you're still fully alive. Your heart is beating, your blood pressure is going, your your oxygen is in and out. You are 100% alive. You don't lay down and you're like, oh, half living. You're fully alive, but you're fully unaware. God has called us in this season to be fully alive, to be fully aware, and to wake up. Wake up. Number two, and I'm giving you two options. There's one blank for number two. Based on your level of offense, how easily offended you are, you can choose number two. It's either grow up or clean up. Whichever one you want, you can just fill in the blank. Something up. Either grow up, grow up, grow up, or clean up. 1 Corinthians 13.11 says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. It's time. It's time to grow up a little bit. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The picture is that because of the hour, we must not only wake up and, and get up, but we got to get dressed as well. We got to put on the armor. We have to take off our night clothes, the deeds of darkness, and, and instead put on our day clothes, our running clothes, our exercise clothes, our work clothes, whatever the daytime is in this season for you, it's time to armor up. It's time to get dressed. It's time to grow up. It's time to clean up. The Christian life is not a nap. It's a battle. Make maturity a priority. Number three, Paul says, we need to wake up, we need to grow up, we need to look up. First Thessalonians 5, 6 says, therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. I hope you understand the times that we're in. I don't know when Jesus is coming. It, it, you know, it could be another 50 years, hypothetically. I don't know when he's coming, but I, I know that the prophetic fulfillment, like that, that steam engine is running full speed down the track. And we are in the season where if he wanted, he could come today. He could come right now. Jesus could return right now at any moment. The signs of the time indicate the nearness of Christ's return. We know that Israel has returned to the promised land as has become a nation again since 1948. We know that the rise of power in Russian and Muslim countries was prophesied 2,600 years ago to happen. We see that unfolding even now. Uh, we know that apostasy and apathy in the church will be what the church looks like in the end of days. 
we see that now. We see people who are just leaving the church, not, not showing up to family, just not, I'm not talking about watching online, I'm talking about people that are just like leaving the faith. They're leaving the faith. We see that now. The existence of the revived Roman Empire, check. Technological, techno, technological development of weapons of war, we see that now. Um, technology for identifying and monitoring people, that's here and at play. One world religion, it's here. Chrislam building is opening up 2022. This year, we're here. One world government is only one global crisis away. One crisis away and suddenly all the kings of the world unite. That, that global crisis could be when millions of people go missing. And suddenly they wonder what has happened. Where, where are all of these people? The, the rapture could literally in 24 hours create a one world government. We're already there. We're ready. We're ready. The time is urgent for us to walk in the light. The fourth, let's see, we had wake up, help me out. We had wake up, grow up, look up, and show up. Show up. I'm not talking about show up the church. That'd be great if you want to show up the church. I'd love that because I miss your face. But that's actually, I'm just talking about showing up to life. Showing up to the table. Showing up to the need. Don't, don't push push things off and, and say that's someone else's issue to deal with. That's someone else's solution to come up with. You and I need to show up. There was a parable that Jesus talked about and he had 10 servants and he gave them all a sum of money and he told them to occupy till I come. I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I know what I'm going to do until he comes. I'm going to occupy. I'm going to occupy. That means I'm going to keep putting money in savings. I'm going to keep investing. I'm going to keep getting my kids ready for college or getting them in their careers. I'm going to keep planting a seed and believing for a harvest tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to stop planting my garden because I think Jesus is coming. I'm not going to pull all my investments because I think Jesus is coming. I'm going to pretend like he's coming in a thousand years, but I'm going to live like he's coming today. I'm a, I'm a pre-trib guy. That's an open fist thing, by the way. You can attend this church and believe about the second coming anytime you want. It doesn't, it's just the timing. It doesn't impact me what you believe. Um, I, I am 100% certain it's pre-trib, but that doesn't mean I'm right. I could be 100% convinced of my belief and still be wrong. I'm, I am a pre-trib guy, but I tell people we've got, a lot of people here that are post-trib and uh, I tell them all the time, yeah, I, I prepare like I'm post-trib, but I live my life like he's coming the next minute. There's something purifying about believing he could come at any minute. Any minute he could come and I want to be found faithful. There's something really nice too about having enough beans in your pantry in case you in case you find yourself through all seven years of the tribulation I'll be praying you know I know we're out of time but listen 
I don't want to be the one that year three in, I realized, oh, I was wrong. God, please help me. He said, I tried to help you with the Walmart sale in 2021. Do you know what I mean? So, anyway. Love and life. The world needs us, church. The world needs us to really live out this thing we call faith. The doormat's cute. As for me in this house, we will serve the Lord. That's great. But I hope that I see those things written on your heart, not just written on your walls. If you'll stand with me, I want to pray over you. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, Let us consider how we may stir up one another to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is a manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see that day approaching. The reason it's important for you and I to show up to church is because in the end of days, lawlessness is going to increase and love is going to grow cold. That's a promise. That's going to happen. You can take that to the bank. We can't impact lawlessness, but we sure can stir up some love. And so when I show up and you show up, our job is to remember our debt and stir up the love among us. Father, I come before you today. I thank you for every person in this room. God, there is just... There is a weight of your presence in this place. God, I thank you. I thank you that there are hearts in this room that have been turned toward you, leaning into love, leaning into light, behaving, walking, believing. God, I thank you that no matter what the circumstances look like outside of these doors, no, no matter what the news says, no matter what's going on in the world, there is, there is an inner life that you have given us, the kingdom of God that can be stirred up. And God, even when the world is falling apart, you and, you and I can continue to do business together. So God, I ask that you would continue to grow us, strengthen us, let us be filled with grace and peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for being here. Yeah, let's give it up for Jesus. It is spring break, so remember there is no awaken or youth this week. No awaken or youth this week. So we will see you next Sunday at 1030 a.m. Take what you received in here. Go give it to someone out there. Now that you've been to church, go be the church. We love you guys.